really excited to introduce you to. He comes from another country, not too far away. <laughs> His name is Gil Cohen, and he will be joining us. And I, I want to tell you a bit about Gil and his experience um, and background. It, he's not HR, but he definitely, definitely has rich experience working with other HR professionals and getting them um, up and ready to go. So when Gil is ready, he'll come off of mute, but and camera, and there he is, and out. So I'll tell you a bit about Gil. He has been helping organizations with talent management and employee experience for over 20 years. He has a passion for helping companies design employee experiences that improve both the outcomes of the organization and the lives of the employees. Gil combined background in psychology and business helps him understand both the individual and organizational aspects of the workplace. Gil, thank you so much for joining us from Canada. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I see people with sweaters on. I like, where are you? Because I'm still wearing shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually gotten pretty cold here recently. It's actually gotten pretty cold. We we hit like the last week of September and now we're in uh, colder temperatures, but that's okay. I like it. I like sweater temps. I love it. I love it. I, I'm glad you could be here today, sweater or not, and because I might have on flippers. So <laughs> in a few hours, so we we take we we all endured in different ways. So how did you get started in employee experience? Because you said your background, psych, you blend psychology and business, but how did you get into employee experience? So I got into employee experience around 2016, 2017. I first heard the term uh, because I'd been in talent management and supporting HR teams for about 15, 16 years at that point. But when I learned about employee experience, I learned about essentially it's understanding the employee's perspective of what happens at work. Because traditionally, we think about leadership, we think about HR, we think about what they're trying to accomplish, they make a decision, and then they implement it. And then there's a reason why so many change management projects fail. Uh, they fail because people are involved, and we're not as simple as just telling us what to do, and or like one executive I once worked with who thought change management was, I sent them an email, and I thought they were supposed to change, um, which is all too common. Um, but learning about employee experience really excited me because it was what I had been missing from talent management of understanding, empathizing with how things actually work, how the business actually works, not just because I've implemented something, I expect that to actually happen, but how people internalize things, the ways that leaders make decisions that damage them and they don't even uh, realize it. So I spent a lot of time learning about design thinking. Uh, I believe there's uh, the area of behavioral economics is another one that is extremely helpful to understand not just how we want people to work, but how people actually think and actually work. So it was a relatively new idea at the time. A lot of different companies came into it in different ways. Um, I know a lot of organizations that the way they came to employees experience is recognizing we put so much time and effort into customer experience, but we don't think about employee experience the same way. So let's apply some of the same principles internally and we can learn how we can better organize, better motivate, better 
serve people, better ensure that people are well at the end of the day and we're not just taking out of them as much as we can. I love it. I love how you, you, you pulled all of that in, but I wanna take you back to a time before you moved over fully to employee experience, because this still ties into the employee experience before they're even the employee, right? So we have the customers, then we have the employees, but there are also people in there called candidates. And so we're talking today specifically about building a recruitment process from scratch. And, and when we were talking initially, we were, we were going to talk about employee experience in that as well. But I want to first ask you, where do you start in order to build a new recruitment process? So where, it, having done it before, I can tell you where I did start. Um, <laughs> so where I start is around research. And I mentioned design thinking before. So for me, it all starts with empathy. Now that begins in a few different ways. First of all, it's about empathizing with the organization and understanding the organization as a whole. It starts with a foundation when you're going to create a recruiting process, it needs to be geared to something. And for you, it needs to be geared to what is leadership trying to achieve? So ultimately, what is their people strategy? Because in different industries, different organizations, they're going to have different strategies about how and why they want to bring on people. For example, the company that I was working with, their strategy, their goal was to have people employed with them for as long as possible. They were a 15-year-old company and they had numerous people who had worked there 10 years already. So for them, they were trying to build and have employees who could grow with them, as opposed to, I know a lot of retail companies are lucky if they can keep people around a year. Um, so it's about understanding how does leadership view the recruiting process? What are their goals with the recruiting process? I will say as a caveat in this research, one, you may find that they don't have that information, so you'll need to pry into it. And two, you still need to be critical in thinking about it when they give you their answers, because you have to be aware of the potential biases in their thinking in the potential impact on your employee population. For example, if they're all looking for our number one thing is we want referrals, 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 that is a tremendous risk to creating a homogenous environment. I was lucky that wasn't what I was facing, but I'm just saying that that is a tremendous risk. So it's important to understand that you coming in as a professional have your own ideas, goals, objectives that you need to also interject, but it's important to understand starting with the leadership of what's their foundation of what's the purpose of this recruiting process? How are you going to ultimately be measured on it? Another area of research is then within the employees empathizing and understanding what are employee what are these employees like every cohort of employees is different based on the values of how they were brought on based on the industry based on the uh, specific role so understanding them and doing interviews focus groups etc to understand what are these people looking for in an interview process and ultimately how do we entice ourselves to the type of person that's successful here how do we make ourselves look good? And then the third piece that I did was I created a journey map. I created a journey map of what was the existing process because I didn't want to throw everything out because 
I'm sure there were good areas in it. So I wanted to understand what does the process look like now? Where are the friction points then for candidates? And how can I ultimately smooth those over time? Um, because one of the things that a lot of us get overwhelmed with, especially when starting something new like a uh, recruiting process, is looking at the whole picture instead of finding somewhere to start because it can be overwhelming to find somewhere to start. So an employee journey map, a candidate journey map of understanding how do they internalize each step? What does it feel like for them when they're hitting that apply button? What is it like when they're getting whatever contact from the hiring manager, from the recruiter? Uh, what are interviews like? All of these play a role ultimately in employee experience because you're creating a foundation of expectations, but also you're setting up your odds of whether or not you're going to land the candidate because a bad employee, a candidate experience will make it less likely that the candidate at the end of the day will sign, assuming you really, uh, that's the candidate you want. I, I love how you brought in um, how the candidates feel as they're going through that process. I, the biggest feedback and probably everybody who's done recruiting or you've applied for a job has been, oh, upload your resume. Now put everything that's in your resume and all of these. And everybody's like, what is this madness? And so that is one, one part, I think, where everybody is applying for jobs at some point in life. Like, why would you ask for my resume if you're going to ask for my resume information? And so... And nobody's yet solved that problem. So it, it is, I can definitely understand because at whether you're the employer or the employee, usually at some point in time, you've applied for a job. So I love that part. I love how you said having a starting point and not getting into overwhelm. We see that so often when we're trying to create a process. I'm a process person and I still go into overwhelm um, and, and having also some sounding boards. So did you find having other people or at least a small team helpful in creating this new recruiting process? Oh, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, that's who really had the data for me about the employee journey map. I had to pull in other people because I was only one person who had my own sort of different hiring process than the typical one. Um, so I had to understand what other people were doing. So this was about built bringing people into design initiatives, bringing into workshops, uh, having them talk, because that also, for me, what was great is they each shared ideas, but then they built off of each other's ideas. They reminded each other of experiences. It strengthened things in terms of my understanding. But absolutely, having a sounding board is vital because otherwise you're just your own echo chamber. And I think that's one of the keys around building experience, candidate experience, employee experience, et cetera, is understanding that the other people aren't you. So you can't create things because you like them or because they feel good for you. It's about creating them because they achieve a goal and they make the candidate have a smoother, easier process. You know, you mentioned the uploading the resume and then filling out the resume. And companies have also recently added a step to that where they have to, you have to create a login for their website with a name and a password, then upload the resume, then have it all deformatted and um, redone. And I mean, this is a a data conference after all, I would say that if you have the sophistication, find that information of how many people start your application process 
and don't finish it. Yep. Because I speak to people all the time. I've done it myself, where you start applying for a job and it's just they expect too much of you and you just stop. So every person that left, left because of the candidate experience that you created, which means you're, you're losing good talent. And the best talent, they don't have time for that. They, want, they, they know they're good, they want to be treated well. So um, having that kind of information is very helpful if you have an overly convoluted process. I love it, yes. Who, who falls? Well, definitely that data, those data points and throughout the process. Okay, so as you're developing this, this process, how did you determine what data you wanted to collect and how was it going to be helpful? Okay, so for me, I will say uh, the data I collected generally was um, from two sources. One was internal qualitative data. So that was around the focus groups, interviews I built into the whole candidate experience because I was their contact point. I would build relationships with people, ask them questions along the way about how they were experiencing it. So it was a lot of qualitative data, especially because I was starting up from essentially nothing. Um, so it was a lot of understanding. So I called that from a few different places, one from current employees, especially most recent employees, calling it from candidates and understand even the people who didn't make it fully through the process, understanding what they were experiencing, talking to different people in the market. Um, but then the other area that I, I looked for data was in research externally, because I knew that there were certain things that I couldn't read the uh, label from inside the bottle. And so I needed to do some research. For example, one of the things that I saw very early on, as with most tech companies, the uh, difference between the number of men versus women in the organization was significant. And I wanted to figure out why, and I knew I wasn't going to find that out internally, especially not in my first couple of months of working there. So I started to do more research externally to understand what can I as a recruiter do differently to attract more women. So one of the things that I found was that in writing uh, job descriptions, there was research that found that certain words repel women. So if there's, you use certain words like rock star and assertive and aggressive, women are just less likely to apply for the job as well women i found from the research are less like are less likely to apply for the job if they only have 50 60 70 percent of the qualifications uh they feel like they need more whereas men are like oh 50 60 i'm good to go so it was about designing the job descriptions to encourage that but that wasn't data that i would have been able to find internally i needed to look externally to understand What's happening here? Why am I facing this situation? And really, most importantly, what can I do about it? I, I love that you brought up the words that are in the actual job description. I was on a call earlier this week or either end of last week where there's an HR professional who was like, I wasn't even looking for a new job. And she was like, the reason I'm at this company um, and I applied was because of the job description. She said, I never read a job description that was so inclusive. And she was like, she, it, it made her like, oh my God, let me read this. What company is it? And it took, she was like, okay, I have to apply. She's been with the company quite a few years now. 
but it was the first time she read a job description that was that inclusive. As an engineer, trust me, they're generally not that inclusive. And so it is very, very difficult. And because positive power, we focus on women, I always encourage them, like, let me ask you something. <laughs> if somebody had, you know, how long, you know, I generally ask them how long they've been in their job. They use three or plus years and say, how much more from the first six months you've been at your job that you're doing now? And it's like a lot of stuff. I said, so if you wrote the job description of what you do now and they try to hire somebody, it's like they couldn't hire one person. I was like, that's how people are writing job descriptions. They're taking a job that somebody who's been there for years, all the stuff they're doing, but it's really such a small part of what the role really initially um, included. And that blows their mind. I said, now go apply for the job. (laughs) (laughs) And so the other part of that is there are certain platforms now that, and and I try to do this too with our diversity recruitment customers, what do you absolutely need? Like if nothing else, what are the five things that that this candidate has to have? Like five, I said, you get five. And they're like, but but why five? I said, because if you need more than five, you probably need to be hiring some more than one person. So what's, what's the core five things they really need to understand and, and be able to do? And then I said, let's write everything out. You have everything and like, let's like, well, no, we don't really need them to do that. And usually you can get them to about seven or eight. And then I can usually negotiate the last three, two or three, but it blows people's mind because they haven't gone back and reevaluated job descriptions and job duties over time with employees to really understand, like they are no longer a mid-level, whatever they're, they, they should be they're really in a different role, but they haven't got the job title and a promotion or a job change. So it's a lot in there. And, and I want to go back to what you were talking about though, before, before we wrap up, which is around friction points. And I, and I'm glad you brought that up. What did you find? I have two questions for you before we finish up at least, (laughs) but what, what did you find to be friction points that you encountered when creating this process? Uh, so there were a few friction points. One of the biggest friction points I found was around that gap between signing and starting. And that was a very emotional experience for people. And what we ended up doing, in, we ended up losing people early on as a result of that period. It was a very tough period in terms of recruiting tech people. It was a booming market. We were losing people and we learned to create a higher touch experience from one moment to the next. From the time they signed, it used to be, okay, see you then. Now it was, we were asking them questions. The manager was calling them. We would invite them maybe to lunch or something like that if it was easy for them, whatever it might be. But that was one point. The other one was really around communication just around there's a lot of uncertainty as a candidate in anything you can do to create clarity for them they tended to appreciate so it was about even if it wasn't always news they wanted but at least it was clarity that they weren't left uh wondering so those were a couple of the big friction points but there were a lot of small ones along the way that we ended up just smoothing over which was what was great about the experience is that continuing to collect that data we could continue to improve. We, there's, there's never perfection. I've never seen a, a perfect candidate uh, experience. Although one friction point, I, I will, I'm, I'm proud of this one. I like this one that we corrected was that anybody who was coming to interview with us who already had a job, I made very clear to say, dress as you normally would. 
because normally what happens when you're at a role and then you dress nicer, you can start to create alarm bells with your, your own work. And we didn't want to put anybody at risk because they were interviewing with us. So we were just like, we can accommodate whatever dress you have for your role now. So you don't uh, alarm anybody within uh, your current company. Yes, I would like so. Um... Yeah, I, I had jokes like that. Um, and I was the person that was in the airport in a suit who ran into her boss's boss <laughs> fly back. So, so yes, please change. You might want to change before you get to the airport or at the airport, just so you don't run into your boss's boss and they sit next to you on the flight back. <laughs> oh, what are the odds of that one? <laughs> Obviously, uh, yeah, but I wasn't at that employer long after that. <laughs> I guess it worked itself out. Um, what advice would you have for professionals who are building a recruiting process from the ground up? My advice is, first of all, take everybody's advice with a grain of salt. Because like I said, you have to start with the foundation of your organization. So how other people do it isn't necessarily right for you. Uh, so make it customized, right for your company, your leadership, understanding, the, having that foundation to understand how you'll be evaluated once it is up and running will help you uh, address problems you have um, internally. And the other piece of advice um, is that if you're starting from scratch, uh, start with as low tech as possible. Because understanding of what does the process need to look like before you let technology wag the dog, because you don't want to have get into something early on that limits what you're able to do uh, down the road. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, a third piece of advice is around educating hiring managers. Educate hiring managers because they need to understand it's their responsibility to hire people. HR or recruiting or whomever are bringing in candidates. You're the hiring manager. You're not the rubber stamp because HR brought them in. So bad uh, hires are actually on them. Uh, so I, that's a vital thing. Don't let the hiring managers push you around. There, I now remember what was the question before that question. You mentioned that these were the people that had the data you needed. Who were they, these people and what data did they initially have at the beginning of this process for you? Okay, these are the people who particularly recently had gone through the hiring process. So the data they had was what was the what did the experience look like from a human perspective, from the other person's perspective, so that I could gather that from to understand what were the high points, what were the low points, what are the things we want to lean into, what are the things we need to correct. Um, but that was the kind of data that that's how I found out the friction points from the individuals uh, themselves. Great, thank you so much. So everybody, you have to go talk to people. Uh, so luckily, most of you are uh, open to communicating with others, whether it's virtual or in person. So I really, really appreciate that. So Gil, before we get out of here, it, um, I wanna ask the audience before I ask you this question. If you have questions for Gil, go ahead and drop them in. We have like a minute or so, so we'll get to your question before he leaves. But where can people connect with you, Gil? Where's uh, the best, best place to find you? Best place to find me would probably be LinkedIn. 
uh, G-I-L-C-O-H-E-N. Uh, that's a place you can find. I have some articles on there. I used to write a lot more content. So if you're interested in anything that I've written, there's a, a lot on there. Or you can find me on my website, www.employeeexperience.ca or email me at gil, G-I-L, at employeeexperience.ca. And just for you, for everybody, we have Gil's information in the chat. So you can grab it from there as well. Click on his LinkedIn profile. Maybe you want to connect with him. Also, if you want to check out his website, remember it's a .ca. He's in Canada, but trust me, he does have clients and loves to work with Americans, which is why he's here, right? So Gil, thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to having more conversations with you about inclusive language. Thanks so much, Gil. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. So everybody, be sure you go and um, give your feedback on Gil's session. We want to know what your thoughts are about creating a recruitment process from scratch. Does it sound doable now? Does it still found, found, sound a bit uh, overwhelming? Or maybe you're like, I'm inspired because I've only been at places that have already have created recruitment processes. Whatever that is, we want to know your feedback in the survey. Remember, the surveys are only three questions, so we made it super simple and quick for you to really dive in. 